It's the question that brought you here. Are you satisfied with what life throws at you without ever asking why? Because I'm not. I mean, if you're content talking endlessly about the same recycled subjects over and over, just go to another podcast, because this is a new platform for my friends, clients, and anyone who wants to hang around a virtual campfire and discuss questions you've always had, but never dared to ask. My name is Rich Nisbet. Welcome to It's the Question. Haha, ha, here we are, podcast number five of It's the Question. Last time I had you guys answer the following questions. Think of something you would like to change. And think of something you would like to leave unchanged. Now, what's the big deal about that? Well, I call these progressive questions because if you do it in the right way, you can progress or have somebody you're helping progress to a higher, more elevated view of the subject of that question, which in this case is change. The subject of change. Now, why is that a big deal? Because every loss you have encountered in your life had change involved. Somebody died that you were close to. They were once there and now they no longer are there. So there's the change. You get fired from a job. Change. You have to leave your house and move to a different city. Change. One of your best friends gets pissed at you and no longer wants to talk with you. Change. Your kid grows up and leaves the house for college. He's no longer a little kid. He's a grown person change how about a uh, sports figure who's doing great but his body gets too old and now he's got to retire he no longer has the camaraderie of his teammates and no longer has all those adoring fans around him change a husband tells his wife I wanted a divorce big change don't you see that change and loss start getting intermingled in our minds so that when a situation comes up where we should change, we might not because we're afraid because of these old losses that stick us. The mind tends to confuse past trauma with what's happening right now. So the guy gets offered a brilliant position in a new company, but he's like, eh, I don't know. I'm doing okay. This is all right. I don't know if I want to change. Of course he doesn't want to change because in his mind, change means loss. Stay away. Stay the same. Don't change. Okay, so that's the situation with change and people getting fixed and stuck in their life. Well, those two questions I uh, had you list out last week should actually help on the subject of change because I'm having you think of something you want to change and think of something you want to leave unchanged, right? So if you write down enough different answers to those two questions, back and forth, back and forth, something's going to hit you on the subject of change. And I'm telling you, it is not insignificant. 
How do I know this? Because I've used these types of questions in my private counseling and coaching practice for years and years and years. These are the questions that substitute advice. You got someone who comes in and walks in the door, I am sick and tired of the same old life. I just feel stuck. I feel there's no future. I don't know what to do. Instead of saying, well, look on the bright side of it. Why don't you go out and make some phone calls and connect up with people? No. You say, well, what do you want to change? And he says, I want to change my job. All right. What do you want to leave unchanged? Well, how much I love my kids. Okay. What else do you want to change? Oh, I'd like to change my uh, body. I'd like to be uh, lose about 20 pounds. All right, what do you want to leave unchanged? Well, maybe I'd like to... My desires uh, to travel. I've always loved to travel, and I don't really want to change that part of me. Okay, and you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, until all of a sudden he hits an epiphany or a new awareness. Or he gets on top of it and he goes, you know what? What am I been afraid of? This is ridiculous. I just got two job offers and I just didn't feel I could really do it. But I think I can now. I think I see that change doesn't mean that something's going to kill me. Change isn't all bad. I think I can face whatever's going to happen from a new opportunity or a new change in life. I think I can face the future. Man, I don't know what I was even looking at. That is an example of the types of aha moments that a person can have on these types of questions. I call that moment of realization or aha. I call it a pop moment. P-O-P. Point of payoff. When you're doing these progressive questions and the person in front of you has this big realization or point of payoff, you stop right there. If you're doing these questions on yourself and you hit that pop moment, end off right there. That's all you're going to do. And that's the purpose of the progressive question, to hit that pop moment. It's sort of like uh, you guys watch like a detective movie. And they've got a big wall, and they start putting evidence and pictures and dates up on this wall. And they get back, and they look at it, and they add a new name to it. And somebody comes in with a new piece of evidence, and they tape that to the wall. And they draw pictures, and they have dates and times. And pretty soon, one of the detectives has an epiphany. He goes, oh, my God, look at this. Whoa, whoa. Jeff Sims could not have been at that location at that time because look at he was connected with this guy over here and they were at that place over that time so this could not be we got to bring him in for questioning all of a sudden with enough answers and enough overview of the subject you can see it all in a new light and that's what the progressive questions do especially these repetitive asking the same question over and over, getting different answers each time. It gets the person to actually do his own detective work on the subject you're talking about and come up to a new awareness of it. Get it? So how is it that I stumbled onto all this? 
Well, here it goes. In third grade, my father taught me three chords on a ukulele. And I performed a cowboy song in my cowboy outfit for the school talent show. The next year, the Beatles hit Ed Sullivan. And I watched these guys, and I watched the girls screaming, and I saw the effect that this music had on the audience, and I said, I want to do that. I want to make people happy. I want to bring that kind of joy to people. So I got myself a guitar, learned it, met some friends, formed a band. We went through high school. We recorded. We wrote songs. Had equipment trucks and roadies and lighting guys and played all over the place. And then one of the sound men in a long trip in the truck asked me the question, have you ever been out of your body? And it hit me. I had a pop moment on that one, believe me. The idea that I, whoever I was, could be out of my body was revolutionary and it opened an entire door so now i go to california and i start studying i study everything i'm studying buddhism i took classes on communication i went to seminars on coaching techniques and counseling techniques trauma reduction i took classes in scientology i studied buddhism i studied techniques on helping people become in the now and not stuck in the past, looked at Hinduism, Taoism. I continued reading a bazillion books, going to lectures, and eventually met somebody from Chicago who asked me to come back and be his partner in his consulting practice. So I moved to Chicago, started getting all sorts of clients from all walks of life, business owners, artists, couples, teenagers, individuals, different men and women, And I use these progressive questions to help them in their business and in their life. Now, these questions are designed to handle a variety of things based on how the question is worded. I mean, uh, helping improve memory, communicate more freely, better at sales, uh, leadership roles, have better relationships, handle problems faster, feel less degraded or isolated, uh, better sex lives. A marriage counseling I did, uh, give people less fears, less anxieties in life. Basically, help them remove all that extra baggage that we accumulate and uh, get rid of these false self-imposed limitations. Now, many times I had to help people through losses in their life. That's why I wanted to uh, let you know this question about change and loss. Yeah, I had to do these uh, really simple but effective trauma reduction techniques to help people, you know, if somebody died they were close to or they lost a pet or they were in the middle of a divorce or that type of thing, just free their attention up from the loss. So in doing so, I handled a lot of people who were confronted with death of a loved one. But many times their loved one was at the end of life, meaning they were in a hospital or in a hospice situation or at home in bed and it didn't look good. It didn't look like any recovery was going to occur. So about 
two decades ago, one of my clients came to me and said, hey, my grandma is in the hospital. She's not doing well. She's got a terminal illness. There's no uh, cure, but uh, she's miserable. She's afraid. She's anxious. She can't speak. Her tongue is out of her mouth. I just don't know what to do. I want to help her, but I don't know what to do. So I said, well, let me think about it. And I went home that evening and I started jotting down what I thought somebody at the end of life might be going through. Fear, anxiety, not knowing what was going to happen. Was it going to be total blackness? Was I going to uh, remember who I am? Is it going to be just a void of nothingness? Uh, Then I started listing out what people go through with regular loss in life. What kind of emotions, what kind of fears, what kind of trepidation... So then I listed what types of techniques you could use or possibly use to help somebody who was at the end of life ease off the fear, ease off the horrible emotion and anxiety, and maybe come to grips with it a little bit easier. So that evening, after looking over the possibilities, I wrote down about five or six steps that I felt my client could help his grandma with. He thanked me and took off for the hospital, and here's what he wrote happened. When I arrived at the hospital, my grandma was lying in bed, shaking, incoherent. Her extremities were purple. Her tongue was out of her mouth, and she couldn't speak. Apparently, she'd been like this for several days. I told her I was there to help, and I asked the rest of the people in the room, my mom, my aunt, and the nurse, to please give me a few minutes alone with grandma, which they did. Because Grandma couldn't speak, we worked out a simple system to communicate without verbal words. I instructed her to squeeze my hand once for no and twice for yes. It worked. I then began asking her to notice things around the room. At first, I did it wrong, but soon realized that I needed to find objects closer to her, which helped. We did this for some minutes until it appeared she was a bit more settled down from the anxiety she'd been in. I then continued with the next steps of the program and around steps three or four, I noticed the color in her skin return normal. Her tongue went back in her mouth. She could now speak somewhat, and that look of total fear was gone. It was a miracle. We talked a bit about what was happening with her and what she might expect. When my mom and my aunt and the nurse returned to the room, they were completely amazed at the change in grandma. She was talking again with them and was no longer in pain and showed no more anxiety. They couldn't believe this huge change after that short period of time. Grandma passed away that very evening. The fact that we could all spend her last hours together in a serene and loving way was the best send-off we could have ever hoped for. I'll never forget that day. Yeah, so after that, I started getting phone calls and requests for other people who had a loved one at the end of their life, and I started writing steps out and getting the stories back, and every time it worked out way better than I could have ever imagined. And I'm telling you all this because I'm compiling all those stories and all those techniques into a new book. It should be released this year. And I got to tell you, 
When I was in fourth grade and I saw how the Beatles made people happy and how I decided I wanted to make people happy, I would have never imagined it would come around to giving aid and reassurance to people at the end of their life. But it is certainly fulfilling. And all of the people who have used these steps to help somebody they were close to pass away peacefully and with dignity have thanked me profusely because it is a scary thing when someone you're close to is on their deathbed. And anything that you can do to provide guidance and reassurance for all involved, the person on their deathbed and all the loved ones around the scene, is something totally worth it and totally appreciated. Now, these podcasts have something to do with uh, people at the end of life. Have you ever been onto your body? Have you ever experienced telepathy, near-death experiences? All of these things bring up the idea that possibly we are more than just our physical bodies. And therefore, if someone's on his deathbed, you could point that out, like, ask them, have you ever had an out-of-body experience? Most people have, it seems. And then you can point out, well, if that's true, if you, you were out of your body when your body was living, possibly that'll be happening when your body's not living. So don't discount the possibility of that. See, there's a very practical point in bringing up all these subjects. I know people don't really talk about this stuff, but don't these conversations seem more relevant to our existence than most anything else? I think so. And it looks like most of you guys do too. So thank you for that. Now to make these concepts really, really real to you, you got to engage in these progressive questions. They are designed to get into your own personal universe and bring out truths that you have either covered up or others have covered up for you. So what I want you to do on this next uh, for this next podcast exercise is to write down times when you were young. You don't have to give a million details, but just write down. I uh, went to the ice cream store with my family, and my sister didn't know how to eat the ice cream cone, and it fell onto the ground. Oh, and the time that we used to uh, mow the lawn, and there's a big apple tree, and all the apples would shoot out of the lawnmower and hit the house, and we would laugh hysterically. Just start writing down times from your youth, as far back as you can remember, and just keep writing writing, writing until you hit a pop moment, the point of payoff when you have an aha, a big realization about it all. And believe me, it's right around the corner. And when you do, you're going to look at things differently, promise. So at the top of the paper, write, remember a time when you were young and start writing as many times as you can from that question until you have that big aha moment. Or you can ask this question of another person and get them to that aha moment. So the repeating question is, remember a time when you were young. Hey, thank you very much for being part of this. Email your replies and your stories to answers at itsthequestion.com.